Turn with me to Judges chapter 10. I won't tell you what verse yet because we're going to kind of skip around some in some verses. Um, <clears throat> Jesus Christ set his face to the cross. And in doing so, he embraced what was best. Uh, he went against the world's values, against, went against the world's way of thinking. Uh, and in so doing, paid the price for your sin and mine, rose again on the third day, and this world has never been the same since. Um, we need to embrace God's best for our lives. I believe God's got a specific purpose for each and every one of our lives. And as we found in the book of Judges, usually... Uh, the opposite of what we're supposed to do is found here. Um, and this is there's no different in this scripture. Um, but we also see some things about um, God's mercy, uh, even in the midst of a people that is so grossly rebellious against him. Um, what happens is, is the people of Israel, once again, same cycle continues after a few good Judges, they begin to, uh, again, go back to sin. And they worship every god of the nations around them that God had delivered them from, except for Yahweh. Except for their god, the true god. They worshiped all the others. So God took two of these nations that they were worshiping their gods uh, the Ammonites and the Philistines, and he says, okay, I'm just going to deliver you over to them. And uh, they begin to feel the pressure of the persecution and oppression that comes upon them, and they call out to God, saying, you know, different chapter, same story. It's like Batman when I was a little kid, same time, same channel. And, uh, you know, uh, but God this time doesn't respond in exactly the same way. He says, you've been worshiping all these other gods. Go to them for help and deliverance. But I'm not going to save you. And it's kind of shocking because the whole way through Judges, you, you, you hear, I will save you, I'll save you, I'll save you. But now you're hearing, I won't. But the people of Israel say, you know, we're going to put away our gods, and, and they do that. And, and the Bible says that God was so pained by their distress and their heartache that when they put away their foreign gods, he once again allowed a deliverer. Now, he doesn't call him. He doesn't communicate directly with him, but he allows, through the circumstances that take place, a deliverer to come uh, for the people of Israel. And so... Uh, one of the things that you see in the scripture is there's a consistent theme of rejection. They've rejected God. Uh, the Gileadites, it, what, one of the interesting things about the people of Gilead, it's in the Transjordan region. I don't know if you remember, but in the story of uh, the conquest, right before Moses goes into the land, uh, or Moses turns it over to Joshua to go into the land, um, the, the people, the Transjordanian tribes, uh, Manasseh, the half-tribe of Manasseh, uh, Reuben, and Gad want to be over in that Transjordan region in Gilead. 
Uh, they said, that's good for our cattle. And, you know, we've defeated these uh, Amorite kings, and so let us dwell here. And so Moses says, uh, uh, you know, God forbid that you should repeat the same sin of the former generation that didn't want to go into the land. And they said, no, we'll go in, we'll fight in front, but uh, in front of our brothers, and we'll go into the land. And well, Moses said, well, let me ask God about it. And so God says, it's okay, let them do it. But they got to go in first uh, to fight. But it was never God's intended will for them to be in that place. They rejected God's perfect place for a place that they thought was better. And so you could trace some things through, through Scripture about what happens to those Transjordanian tribes. They're the first among the first that are taken captive when captivity comes, but um, one of the first to, to get involved in sin. But they've rejected God's place. They've rejected the deliverer that God has allowed to come. Jephthah is the son of a prostitute. And so um, his father, who's ironically his name is also Gilead, um, his father marries after Jephthah is born and has uh, other kids, and, and they, they cast Jephthah out. They say, you're, you're the son of another woman. You can't stay in our house, and so they, they kick him out. So he has to go, and a bunch of uh, base fellows gather to him, you know, and he's, he's going around uh, um, in a band, and I guess of no, no, no good. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but they reject the one that God had set out for them, uh, Jephthah rejects the future that God has for him and for his daughter with the foolish vow that he makes. And so there's this theme of rejection the whole way through. And so what we're going to talk about is doing the opposite of what they did. Uh, because we need to embrace God's best. Rather than rejecting what God has, we need to embrace what God has for our lives. And we're going to see several ways we can do that. Um, the first thing I want to point out to you and, and, and is... Uh, is in chapter 10, where it says, uh, they abandoned Yahweh and did not worship him. The last verse, uh, the last uh, sentence of chapter, uh, verse 6, I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 6. They abandoned Yahweh and did not worship him. So he sold them to the Philistines and the Ammonites. Uh, And then if you look down, it says that they they, uh, were on the other side of the Jordan, Verse 8, in the land of the Amorites in Gilead. Verse 10, so they cried out to the Lord. And, and, and the Lord says in verse 11, when the, Egypt, when the Egyptians, Amorites, Ammonites, Philistines, Sidonians, and Amalekites, and, and the Manites or Midianites oppressed you, and you cried out to me, did I not deliver you from their power? But you have abandoned me and worshipped other gods, therefore I will not deliver you again. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them deliver you in the time of your oppression. But the Israelites said, we have sinned. Deal with us as you see fit, only deliver us today. So they got rid of the foreign gods among them and worshipped the Lord, and he became weary of Israel's misery. Uh, In verse 18, the rulers of Gilead said to one another, which man will fight against the Ammonites. He will be the leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. And then chapter 11 says, uh, verse 1 says, Jephthah the Gileadite was a great warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute, and Gilead was his father. Gilead's wife bore him sons, and when they grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, you will have no inheritance in our father's house because you are the son of another woman. So Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. Then some lawless men joined Jephthah and traveled with him. 
Sometime later, the Ammonites fought against Israel. When the Ammonites made war with Israel, the elders of Gilead went to Jephthah from the land of Tob. They said to him, Come be our commander, and let's fight against the Ammonites. Jephthah replied to the elders of Gilead, Didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why then have you come to me now when you're in trouble? They answered Jephthah, Since that's true, we now turn to you. Come with us, fight the Ammonites, and you will become leader of all the inhabitants of Gilead. So Jephthah said to them, If you're bringing me back, to fight the Ammonites, and the Lord gives them to me, I will be your leader. The elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, The Lord is our witness if we don't do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead. and The people put him, put him over themselves as leader and commander, and Jephthah repeated all his terms in the presence of the Lord at Mizpah. Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites, saying, What have you against me that you have come out to fight against me in my land? The king of the Ammonites said to Jephthah's messengers, When Israel came from Egypt, they seized my land from the Arnon to the Jabbok and and the Jordan. Now restore it peacefully. Jephthah again sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites to tell him, This is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take away the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. Um, But when they came from Egypt, Israel traveled through the wilderness to the Red Sea and came to Kadesh. Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom, saying, Please let us travel through your land. The king of Eden wouldn't listen. They also sent messengers to the king of Moab, but he refused, so Israel stayed in Kadesh. Then they traveled through the wilderness and around the lands of Edom and Moab. They came to the east side of the land of Moab and camped on the other side of the Arnon, but did not enter the territory of Moab, for the Arnon was the border of Moab. Uh, Then Israel sent the messengers to Sihon, king of the Amorites, king of Heshbon. And Israel said to him, Please let us travel through your land to our country. But Sihon would not trust Israel to pass through his territory. Instead, Sihon gathered all his people, camped at Jahaz, and fought with Israel. Then the Lord God of Israel handed over Sihon and all his people to Israel, and they defeated them. So Israel took possession of the entire land of the Amorites who lived in that country. They took possession of all the territory of the Amorites from the Arnon to the Jabbok and from the wilderness to the Jordan. Uh, The Lord God of Israel has driven out the Amorites before his people Israel. Will you now force us out? Isn't it true that you may possess whatever your God Chemosh drives out for you? And may we possess everything the Lord our God drives out before us. Now are you any better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever contend with Israel or fight against them? While Israel lived 300 years in Heshbon and its villages, in Aurora and its villages, and in all the cities that are on the banks of the Arnon, why didn't you take them back at that time? I have not sinned against you, but you have wronged me by fighting against me. Let the Lord, who is the judge, decide today between the Israelites and the Ammonites. But the king of the Ammonites would not listen to Jephthah's message that he sent him. Now the Spirit of the Lord came on Jephthah who traveled through Gilead and Manasseh and then through Mizpah of Gilead. He crossed over to the Ammonites from the Mizpah of Gilead. And Jephthah made this vow to the Lord, If you will hand over the Ammonites to me, whatever comes out of the doors of my house to greet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites will belong to the Lord, and I will offer it as a burnt offering. Jephthah crossed over to the Ammonites to fight against them, and the Lord handed them over to him. He defeated 20 of their cities with a great slaughter from Aror all the way to the entrance of Mineth to Abel-Karamim. So the Ammonites were subdued before the Israelites. 
When Jephthah went to his home in Mizpah, there was his daughter coming out to meet him with tambourines and dancing. She was his only child, and he had no other son or daughter besides her. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and said, No, not my daughter. You have devastated me. You have brought great misery on me. I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot take it back. Then she said to him, My father, you have given your word to the Lord. Do to me as you have said, for the Lord brought vengeance on your enemies, the Ammonites. She also said to her father, Let me do this one thing. Let me wander two months through the mountains with my friends and mourn my virginity. Go, he said, and he sent her away two months. So she left with her friends and mourned her virginity as she wandered through the mountains. At the end of two months, she returned to her father, and he kept the vow he had made about her. And she had never been intimate with a man. Now it had become the custom in Israel that four days each year, the young women of Israel would commemorate the daughter of Jephthah, the Gileadite. The men of Ephraim were called together and crossed the Jordan of the Zaphon. And they said to Jephthah, why have you crossed over to fight against the Ammonites, but didn't call us to go with you? We'll burn your house down with you in it. Then Jephthah said to them, my people and I had a serious conflict with the Ammonites, so I called for you, but you didn't deliver me from their power. When I saw that you weren't going to deliver me, I took my life in my own hands and crossed over to the Ammonites, and the Lord handed them over to me. Why then have you come to fight me? And so they fight, and look down at, uh, look down at verse 7. In the latter part of verse 7, they're crossing over the Jordan. He's making them say Shibboleth uh, or Sibboleth. They, they can't say Shibboleth, and they would say Sibboleth uh, if they were Ephraimites. And he killed everyone that said Sibboleth. 42,000 from Ephraim died. Jephthah judged Israel six years, and when he died, he was buried in one of the cities of Gilead. And notice there's no mention of peace after Jephthah's uh, judgeship. So, experiencing God's best. It's a dark section of Judges, but there's some things we can, we can take from this. First of all, receive God's relationship. Isn't it ironic that in chapter 10, they're worshiping every other God but the true God? Isn't that where we are in our country today? We are open to any and every religion except Christianity. That's where we are as a nation. That's exactly where they were. Anything and everything is okay except Christianity. Except what the Bible says is true. And so... uh, we, we're missing out as a nation. By and large, we're missing out on the best thing that this life has to offer, which is a relationship with the one true God. That was the Israelites' trouble. That, we talk about what Jephthah promised to do and, and what he did. And part of his issue was he just didn't, he wasn't close to God. He, he didn't know God's word. He, and, and this was the way it was with all of them. They descended down into darkness because they had rejected the light. That's where we are in America. Don't put the Ten Commandments in our national uh, places, Don't in our government situation. Don't put them in parks. And uh, No, we don't want God in our national life. We don't want God's Word. We don't want people studying that at school. And all these things. And, and what is that doing? It's the same thing as it. We're trying to, the enemy wants us... To take away all reference to God. 
because he wants us to descend into darkness just like Israel did. And he wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And he knows the way to do it is to turn people away from God. But praise God, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And uh, somebody said to, to dispel a lot of darkness doesn't take a whole lot of light. It just takes a little bit of light. And uh, you shine that light. It's amazing what you can see with just a little light shining. Let God shine his light through you. Uh, receive that gift of relationship uh, with God that comes through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that Jesus took the penalty for our sin? That he took all of the wrath of God. I mean, you, you read this chapter, these several chapters, and you see Israel's ripe for God's wrath. But guess what? So are we. We have different issues in our culture today. But we are sinful as well as a nation. And Jesus has paid the price. And listen, praise God. I, were it not for the blood of Christ, I could have no fellowship with God. Were it not for his grace, were it not for his son. Uh, play, praise God for his grace. And so, uh, don't miss out. I, I tell you what, you know, when, when I began... Uh, to have a relationship with God and I surrendered my life to Christ, it was like a, a light switch turned on and this whole new part of my life began to be um, uh, just a rich part of my In some ways, I feel like I began to live that day. It was, just, it was just so different in my life because I had been carrying around this guilt and I'd been going through this loneliness in my life and now the presence of God was in my life, and, and everything was different. And, and my life's not been perfect. I've had trouble. I've, had, I've gone through a lot of different things. But God has made a true and profound difference in my life. And the greatest treasure of my life is walking with God. Uh, so don't miss out on that. Don't let the culture uh, pressure you into not enjoying the fullness of what God desires for your relationship. And, and it's okay to be countercultural. Uh, to uh, rebel against the culture. That, sometimes rebellion is a good thing. If it's a rebellion against those who are against God and to do the things that God tells us to do, then it's a good thing. So receive God's relationship. Secondly, go to God's place. Now, we talked about the fact that Gilead wasn't God's best uh, for these tribes in the Transjordan region. Um, and so it's true, you need to be in God's place geographically. You know, some, sometimes God may say, like he said to Abraham, leave this land and go to the place where I will show you. And if he says that to us, we need to obey. But sometimes it is a, it is a spiritual place that God wants us to be. You see, Jephthah, even though God in his mercy let Jephthah be used to deliver the people of Israel, he wasn't in the place he needed to be spiritually. Um, he was, matter of fact, he acts just like the Ammonites that he defeated. He, he, they had child sacrifice. And, and child sacrifice is forbidden in the law of God. Child sacrifice was, was in, in multiple places. And it's called an abomination to God. God hates it. So here you have the deliverer of Israel doing what God hates, what's an abomination to God, and acting just like the people that he's driven out. He also kind of seems like Abimelech, doesn't he? Because Abimelech kills all his brothers, 70 brothers, except for one. 
Um, Jephthah kills his daughter. They're both sacrificing their family members to God. What kind of craziness is that? They're not in the place where God wants them to be. And so spiritually, how do you get in the place where God wants you to be? Well, one way is to be in God's Word. Scripture says don't be conformed to this world. That's what Jephthah was. He was conformed. He was doing the same thing everybody else was doing in his culture. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, Jesus said this, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Um, that's what, what the people of God needed in this time period. That's what Jephthah needed. But they were not in the place where God wanted them to be. So um, being in God's Word is part of it. Surrendering to God's plan for your life is another part of it. Having an attitude of surrender or what I heard one pastor call a spirit of repentance. I like that. Um, he said, uh, I prayed for my church to have a spirit of repentance. That is to, to be quick to confess our sin and to ask God to change our hearts and to surrender ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit to God's purpose and his plan for our lives. That's what it means to be in the place where God wants us to be, surrendered to him. And so we need to go to God's place. If you want to embrace God's best for your life, Jesus said if you choose to lose your life for my sake, you find it. That's that laying of your life down. Um, so receive God's relationship, go to God's place. Thirdly, trust in God's Son. Now, to understand what I mean by this, you need to understand that individuals that were used to deliver Israel in Israel's history were a picture of the great deliverer that was yet to come. Now, they were an imperfect picture. Jephthah was a very imperfect picture. Uh, of Jesus, our true deliverer. Je Jephthah offered his daughter, and he says, but what you've done to me? I, if I was his daughter, I think I'd be saying, what are you talking about to you? I'm the one who's receiving this thing. You know, but uh, Jesus didn't do that. Jesus offered his life. He laid his life down for us. He did the opposite. And so, but, but in the sense that Jephthah delivered the people of Israel, he was a picture of God's son. You remember Stephen's sermon? He talked about how they had opposed Moses. He said, just like Janice and Jambres opposed Moses, so you always do oppose God. And he talked about all the prophets that they had opposed and all the things. He says, you have opposed the will of God. You have opposed the appointed deliverers of God. You have consistently rebelled against God's purpose. And so, here, here again, the very person that God had put there to, to deliver them, they rejected it's just true to form. So rather than rejecting God's Son, we need to trust God's Son. And I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Because He's our deliverer. And what a deliverer He is. Uh, praise God we don't have a deliverer like Jephthah. We've got a deliverer whose name is Jesus Christ. And He is perfect and He's holy and He's good and He's righteous and He always does the right thing. And so... Put your trust firmly in him. If you don't know him, probably most of us do here tonight, but if you don't, um, surrender your life to him and receive the free gift of salvation that he purchased for you at Calvary's cross. And uh, in his death for your sin, his resurrection, he made a way you have a relationship. As a child of God, trust him in your day-to-day -day life, in the decisions that you make, and in the, 
in the way that you live, live your life in trust in him. He is utterly worthy of our trust. Um, sometimes uh, we, we will, I remember a professor giving an illustration about his, it, what, what would you do if you saw this guy driving down the interstate, and he's just driving completely crazy, cutting in between cars and people having to jam on their brakes to keep from hitting him. And you're thinking, this guy is a complete madman. But suppose you're looking and then you notice the guy driving the car is your father. And all of a sudden, you recognize, I know, you say, I know my father. I know he wouldn't drive like this in a normal situation. He must have a really good reason for why he's doing this. And so, um, you know, you, you, you put your trust in the fact that he is your father, so you're, you're trusting him. Uh, that's the idea. Trusting God means we look at who he is in his character. We may not always understand the things that come about in our lives, but we trust him anyway because of who he is. And uh, we continue to follow him and to walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes the reward for trusting God comes in this life, but sometimes it comes in the next. And uh, so as you trust God, you can't lose. Um, God is no man's debtor. Uh, you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. So, um, embracing God's best, receive God's relationship, go to God's place, trust in God's son. Fourthly, follow God's purpose. Now, obviously, what uh, Jephthah did here was not following God's purpose. It was an exact opposition to it. You say, well, why did God use him? Why does God use us? <laughs> um, just because God uses somebody doesn't mean their heart is right with him. And so that's something, you know, uh, to keep in mind. But, but it also shows you the grace of God. The best leader that they could find was Jephthah. That ought to tell you something right there. Uh, it was a sad situation, and yet God in his mercy allowed Jephthah, he, he put his spirit on Jephthah and empowered him to deliver the people of Israel despite who he was. Paul, Paul had a, a sense of this in his own life. He said, he said, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And uh, God's grace was not ineffective in my life. And so praise God for that, that he does use us. But Following God's purpose means doing what God tells us to do in his way. Jephthah, in verse 34, he goes to his home and mis he makes a stupid vow. Which, by the way, there was a provision for this in, in, the, uh, in the law. If you made a stupid vow uh, that it would be sinful to fulfill, you could go to the, the tabernacle and offer a sacrifice, and God would forgive you for the sin. There was a procedure already in place for the, it called the stupid vow uh, provision. Um, there was also a provision for uh, paying a price, a redemption price, um, rather than offering a human being as a sacrifice. You remember the, the law of the firstborn, the redemption of the firstborn? Uh, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, God says, the Israelites are my firstborn. And he says, so Moses, what I'm going to tell you to do from now on, Every time there's a firstborn, born in all the land of Egypt, or all the land of Egypt, all the land of Israel, that uh, you will take that animal and you will offer it in sacrifice to me. It's mine. It belongs to me. 
But every firstborn child that you have is also mine. But I don't want you to put them to death. No, you pay a redemption price. And uh, you bring that to the tabernacle in place of uh, your, uh, your child and you, you redeem that child. And so again, it's a picture of Christ's redemption, but uh, it avoided the sacrificial system uh, being used in that way. Deuteronomy 12.21 says that human sacrifice is an abomination to God. So it was not God's purpose for Jephthah to do this. But he's made a stupid vow, and, and then he, he comes home after his great victory, and his daughter comes out. He says, the first one that comes out, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer as a burnt offering. And she comes out. And he's like, oh no, what have you done to me? I, I, that just blows my mind. Talk about self-centered. Oh, you have hurt me. He was doing the opposite of God's purpose. So, um, don't follow Jephthah's example. (laughs) Do what God tells you to do. Follow his purpose for your life. What was God's purpose for Jephthah's life? I think God wanted to take him and make him a trophy of grace. And use him as a deliverer of Israel... And and for him to genuinely repent and for him to be the person that God wanted him to be, uh, to be a holy and godly judge. But Jephthah was not pursuing God. He did like the idea of the power of being able to rule over the people of Gilead, but he wasn't pursuing God. So so part of fulfilling God's purpose for your life is to to pursue a godly relationship, a, a, a good relationship with God. Uh, to, to be in his word and to spend regular daily time in prayer. So first of all, you know what the word of God says and you don't end up in a situation like Jephthah was where he just didn't really understand what God's will was and he followed his culture instead. We've got people out there doing that every day. Um, uh, but also, um, to, to maintain a distinction from the culture. Um, I like what the New Testament says. The old King James says, you are a peculiar people. Uh, I just love that because, I, you know, some people are more peculiar than others, you know. But, uh, uh, but what he means by that is that we're set apart. We're different. As God's people, we're to be holy. He says, you will be holy for I am holy. And so God's purpose for our lives is first of all and first and foremost to have a relationship with him and for us to be holy. But then when we have that, it sets up the rest of the things in our lives so that we can fulfill the purpose of God in what we do. Imagine if Jephthah had done this in his life, if he had been pursuing God uh, from, his, from his youth and, and had been in God's word and had been uh, regularly in God's uh, place of worship and, and, and he was surrendering to God regularly in his life, he, he would instead of being conformed to the culture, he would have been transformed. And, and he would have been in a place where he would have known God would never sanction what he did with the sacrifice of his daughter. But not only that, he would have gone to God in prayer about the situation with the Ephraimites. Think about this for a second. Which was better, for the Ammonites to be oppressing the Israelites? It doesn't share with us how many that they had put to death. Or that 42 thousand people of the tribe of Ephraim would be put to death. This was crazy. 
I'd be thinking, well, you know, this deliverer, I'm not too sure I like this deliverer. <laughs> Things seem like they're worse than they were before. Uh, you know, at least with the Ammonites, they weren't killing us in the, by the thousands. You know, they were oppressing us, but at least we were still breathing. Um, but, but this is the situation. So if, if Jephthah had been pursuing a godly life, I think what he would have done when the Ephraimites had come against him is he would have gone to God and he just said, Lord, what should I do about this situation? And, uh, uh, and God would have given him his direction and his will in the matter. But instead, Jephthah just gets the army up. He says, buddy, I'm going to station you guys at the river. You kill every one of them that can't say shibboleth right. You just put them to death where they stand. 42,000 people died. Um, so, follow God's purposes for your life. <laughs> um, by the way, this is one reason why character matters in leadership. I don't know if you remember, it's been back uh, a few presidencies ago. Uh, but the issue came up, and, you know, what, well, this, is, this is this guy's personal life. This is, you know, this has nothing to do with his job. Listen, I want to tell you something. Morality matters. Character matters. And I know there's not a lot of good choices out there. But I'm going to tell you something. We better pay attention to character. Because we may have a Jephthah on our hands if we're not careful. Um, so, uh, follow God's purposes. If you want to embrace God's best for your life. So, receive God's relationship. Go to God's place. Trust God's son. Follow God's purpose. And finally, participate in God's victory. Look at chapter 12, verse 1. The men of Ephraim were called together, crossed the Jordan of Zaphon. They said to Jephthah, Why have you crossed over to fight against the Ammonites but didn't call us to go with you? We will burn your house down with you in it. Boy, they're mad. They're ready to, they're ready to fight. <laughs> Jephthah says to them, My people and I had a serious conflict with the Ammonites, so I called for you, but you didn't deliver me from their power. Jephthah says, What are you talking about? I called for you and you didn't come. And so, the Ephraimites weren't participating in the victory that they could have participated in. There's a lot of people that miss God's best because they're not doing what God has called them to do when God calls them to do it. Now, I know Jephthah wasn't per perfect, but he was God's deliverer, and his deliverance of the people of Gilead was part of God's purpose. And the Ephraimites, if they had been listening to God would have volunteered to come. But, like many, they didn't want to go and take the risk of being obedient to God. They wanted to be comfortable and stay in the background while there was danger. But then when the time came for the credit, they wanted to come get the credit. And so, um, they didn't participate in the victory of God. I want to tell you something. Credit from people doesn't matter a whole lot. Uh, ultimately, when we get to heaven, none of us are going to care about that. We will care about what rewards we receive from God and how he honors us for our lives that we've lived down here. But what we miss when we fail to participate in the things that God tells us to participate in. I realize I'm talking to the Sunday night crowd. As a matter of fact, I'm talking to the core 
of the Sunday night crowd because of the cold. Can I get an amen? No. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but, but it's true. I mean, how many people miss out on the victory and, and the joy of living the Spirit-filled life and of accomplishing the things that God wants them to accomplish and seeing God do the things through their lives that He wants to do just because they're unwilling to say yes to God. The Ephraimites missed it. Uh, and they could blame Gideon all they wanted to. Uh, but they, by their own personal decision, had missed God's best. Um, make sure that your, your yes answer is ready for God when he comes and calls on your name. Um, participate in the victories that he has. I think about the disciples when I think about this. And um, Jephthah was, was uh, kind of an outcast, but so were the disciples that Jesus chose. Not quite to the same degree. But they were ordinary people, but Jesus said, follow me, follow me, follow me. And they followed him. And they blew it, they messed up, didn't that encourage you? And uh, I mean, in so many different ways, but ultimately, they stuck with it, and they said yes to Jesus, and ultimately, God used them in a profound way. Now, sometimes the profound way that God uses us may not be public like it was with most of the disciples, but it may be in the background. But the fact is that saying yes to God always results in God using us in the way. I listen, I, God created us. I, he created me for his purpose. He created you for his purpose. And he's made us all unique. He's given us all a unique role. And I don't know about you, but I want to fulfill every bit of what God has for me. And uh, I don't want my own unbelief to stand in the way. I don't want uh, sin to stand in the way. And so uh, I want to say yes to Jesus. And so I encourage you to say yes to Jesus, to participate in the victory that God has for your life. Uh, Josiah was, was young when he came to power. He was eight years old. Had to have help and, and ruling. But guess what? He ended up doing some things. He took action. He did what God told him to do, and he ended up being a great reformer for the people of Judah, and um, led the people back to right worship of God, and just as a young king, a young man, but what God can do with somebody who will just say yes to him. That's amazing. So participate in the victory that God has for your life. So embracing God's best, receive God's relationship, go to God's place, trust in God's son, follow God's purpose, and participate in God's victory. And you will embrace the best that God has for your life. Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And God, we do pray that we would do each of these things, Lord. And, and we would embrace your best for our lives. And, and God, help us not to be conformed to this culture. But help us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Father, let us shine that light in the, in the dark place uh, so that people can come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Let us enjoy the relationship that we have.